Spotify. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Librocube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Librocubicularist. Today within the Librocube is Movie Monday. Move over, Monday! It's still Monday, but movies are involved now, so it's better than normally it is. Something I like to say at the top of every show is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment in iTunes. Because that right there is what helps others find the podcast. Thank you for those who have done so. Very, very, going to go ahead and throw in an extra very much appreciated. Another thing I like to say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. Folks, I have lots of heed. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying. I've got plenty of heed, so take some of it with regards to the spoiler warning. Please. And thank you, even. Hmm. That will, of course, take us into our last piece of podcast-related business, which is today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is the FDR Food Cart. Once again, today's sponsor is the FDR Food Cart, which, of course, stands for Frank's Delish Refreshment, as well as Frank's Donuts and Ragu, where we will take a Frank, or hot dog, if you prefer, Stick it in a donut, pretty sexual, and then cover it in ragu while uh, at a food cart. FDR food cart, specifically. Thank you to them. Oh, look at this. Our first item, it's called Man Push Cart. Our first movie of the day. What a dink, Or is it? Um, yeah, it is. It is. I don't know why I said it like that. It is a coincidence. Totally. Magodally. Uh, Man Pushcart is a, one of those movies where I heard quite a number of people speak of favorably, so decided, hey, these people like it, and I like these people, I'm going to try to watch it. Uh, the one that springs to mind the most is Doug Benson of Doug Loves Movies, who, if he loves a movie, and he talks about movies often, probably can make the logical assumption that the movie he, he likes is going to be a good movie. And uh, that is the case here. Now, that being said, I went into this movie, I don't know why, <laughs> from uh, all the people I heard talking of this movie, I don't know why I uh, made the assumption that it was a documentary, just from how they described it and talked about it, it sounded like a documentary. I can verify now, after watching the movie, that it is not in fact a documentary. No. So, uh, I guess on that front, I was a little let down, but that being said, it was a good movie. Now, if you go watch this movie, you will not go in with the assumption that it's a documentary, so that's good for you, I suppose. Uh, I think this movie's won multiple awards, like cans and what-have-yous, that, that kind of thing. Very uh, artsy-fartsy? Mm, yeah, I'd put it in the artsy-fartsy category a little bit. 
which is not necessarily a bad thing and not necessarily a good thing. Here it is a good thing. How about just on that note, since I am unprofessional in my reviews of movies and things, give out my review before I've even finished talking about the movie. I'm going to go uh, three to four out of five. Yeah. Enjoyed it while watching it. Probably wouldn't watch it again is my three rating, but I throw the probably in there to indicate the four. Convoluted rating completed. The story is about a formerly super, super famous Pakistani uh, pop singer, or just singer, rock star, um, Bollywood star. I, I'm not sure what the music scene over there is like in, in Pakistan, but he was the cream of the crop. And uh, then his wife died. And what I kind of gathered from this, and I'm not sure if I'm 100% accurate, is that he sort of took a vow not to sing again or something to that effect. For some reason, the death of his wife meant that he was no longer going to pursue this singing career that was making him loads and loads of money and super famous and yada yada, okay? So, he decides to move to New York. Move to New York and, in order to make his living, gets for himself a push cart. A food push cart. Food and coffee and donuts and bagels and things of that ilk. And he's just sort of a typical man on the street, scraping to get by, scraping to eventually purchase this food cart that he is, for the time being, renting. He seems to enjoy the interaction with the public, and eventually a fellow Pakistani gentleman comes to the cart and sort of feels for him, feels that because he is in a sort of elevated position economically and perhaps socially, he can help his fellow uh, brother in the struggle of moving from Pakistan to America. Huh? Eventually, this dude comes to the realization that, hey, I know this guy. He was a famous singer. I think I have a CD here. That kind of that kind of vibe. You know what? I think I can help this guy even further. I've got connections. Connections in the. Uh, music biz, so decides to help him in that way. However, although he sort of uh, reluctantly agrees to go along with this idea, eventually just can't stand following this path and decides that the push cart is the life for him. There is a love interest with a beautiful Spanish lady, a fellow push cart vendor, uh, although I don't think theirs is a push cart, I think it's more of a stand kind of a newspapery stand, and she is sort of enthralled by the fact that he was famous in Pakistan, was slash is famous in Pakistan. Eventually, and this is a bit of a spoiler, but I did warning, you took my heed, she leaves, she goes back to Spain, and that sort of is towards the end where combination of him giving up his music, him losing this girl, and the very, very last section is how he leaves his cart, it is then stolen, and he's basically starting right at square one with a new cart that he has to, again, struggle and strive to pay for again. So, is it a, is it a sad, sad, sad ending? Yes and no, and that's why I like this ending. Uh, all that shit happened, and obviously it's horrible, and if that happened to you in real life, He'd be like, Jesus Christ, might as well freaking kill myself right now. However, 
this is the part that I like the most. The very, very last scene is a customer comes up to his cart very first thing in the morning, like four or five o'clock in the morning, and says, are you open? And they just have a little, little back and forth, a little pleasant sharing of their day and pleasantries and hope you have a good day. And it sort of warms your cockles that existing within the bustling metropolis of New York, there does exist occasionally from time to time bursts of niceness and uh, general humanity. So the movie ends with him sort of after that occurrence, just having a little little smirk on his face. A little, you know what? Life's not so bad after all. And I like it. That was a the definite four or perhaps even five moment for me, so hence the rating. Okay, moving on to movie the second. And I have, how many do I have today? I have five movies today. Oh, baby. Uh, probably I think a good idea would be two on the way to work, three on the way home, but we will see. I'm pretty uh, lackadaisical about the whole thing, and uh, whatever happens, happens. Basically. The next movie, or film, if you prefer, is called The Conjuring. Ooh. Oh, perfect opportunity to do my scary, scary sound. Here we go. Scary sound completed. Um, that being said, this movie wasn't very scary. <laughs> I find that horror movies nowadays will always sort of, when you hear about them, are always sort of billed and told to others as being the scariest movie ever made. And that is a horrible idea for your promotion, because then when you actually see the movie and realize that it's hardly even in the top friggin' 2,000 of scary movies ever made, uh, you're let down. So don't bill your movies with the scariest movie ever made. Happened with uh, Evil Dead most recently, and I heard it with this, and uh, I don't think it's a good idea. That being said, Evil Dead, the remake, I did enjoy. I did talk about it on this podcast. Don't remember what I gave it. I, I believe three or four out of five. This movie, I'm professional rating. Here I go. I'm going to go two. Perhaps some one moments. Yeah, it was not good. Uh, watch this movie with the missus, and I believe this may be a first in that she, with her broken rating scale, has rated a movie higher than I have. Normally, I'll always go higher because my scale is correct. Hers is everything gets friggin' twos. Uh, she gave it a four, so a little disappointed in her. She does not listen to this podcast further disappointment. However, that also means I could say whatever I want. So, take that, the misses. This movie is sort of a conglomeration of bits and pieces of perhaps dozens of different horror movies, however, not done as well as the horror movies that it is drawing from. So that's kind of where it loses it for me. Plus the, oh, I didn't write down her name, but uh, that's the name curse rearing its ugly head. The name curse that was cursed upon me by the gypsy woman whose husband I ran over while receiving a blowjob. That gypsy name curse in which I cannot remember names and quite often forget to write them down as well. If you're just joining us, that's a thing that I have said before. 
Aha. Anyways, the sort of main actress, I would say, from this movie, the, the mother of the family that moved into the haunted, haunted house, she is, oh, I wrote down what movie she's from. She's from The Haunting, Haunted, The Haunted, oh shit, do they even, House on Haunted Hill? I can't remember, <laughs> whatever, fuck. Anyways, she is, and I don't think I've even ever said this about actors or actresses before on this podcast, she is not good not good at acting just totally over the top unbelievable and didn't much care for her acting chops once she was and here's a bit of a spoiler once she does become possessed uh better better than when she was trying to just act as a normal human being so perhaps that makes sense when she was acting as a sort of normal everyday human being mother of five girls unbelievable way over the top and just ridiculous. However, when she's possessed by a demon, then slightly more believable, probably because of her over-the-topness. Huh? That makes sense, I do believe. Which is something that is rare within the Libra Cube, the making of sense. So the story is, like many, many, many others, a family moves into a house which is haunted. So right there, and even the missus said this sort of right off the bat, uh, ripped from the Amityville Horror. Uh, the house sort of had that feel and vibe to it, and even kind of looked like it a little bit, that, that house, that famous house from that movie. Then, once moved in, then once moved in, bad shit starts going down. As it does in horror movies in which houses are haunted. Hmm. The first sort of thing we notice, I guess, is that all the clocks mysteriously stop. At 3.07. So that is ripped from paranormal activity in which the clocks would all stop at a certain time. Next, the dog will not enter the house and then is killed. That been in movies before. I couldn't think of an example, but I know I've seen this. I think perhaps in American Horror Story, the television show? Possibly, maybe, possibly, maybe. The basement of this house is not a place you want to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very original. Dead birds fly, or not dead birds, live birds huh, fly into the house and then die, and then are dead birds, yeah. So that was from a movie uh, the missus and I just saw, like, a couple of movie Mondays ago. In that case, it was aliens, in this case, hauntings. There's a... Scary, scary, possessed doll at one point. Um, Ella Chucky. Uh, uh. They need to get help from people to uh, rid the house of this presence. Mmm, ghostly, demonic stuff. Uh, yeah, like the exorcist in Amityville where you gotta bring in religious folk to cleanse things and peoples. Uh, one thing they did wrong as well, at least I do believe, and happens quite often more now than I think it used to, is that they revealed what the sort of bad thing looked like uh, fairly early on in the movie. Like, you should save that for the last half hour of your movie, last 20 minutes of your movie, if that. But we were maybe only 45 minutes in before you saw what the scary ghost demony witch girl thing looked like. And 
from that moment on, you know what it is, so you don't really find it as scary. It's the mystery of what is happening that is scary. And there is a few jumps at the beginning. A few, oh, oh my god, well, that's scary. Uh, for example, the, the old uh, sleeping and then your leg is pulled, a la paranormal activity. Just so many things. If you watch as many horror movies as I do, because mostly of the misses and her love of them, you will see just uncountable things that you have seen before. So that's why I'm kind of surprised she gave it such a high rating. Hmm. Okay, well, I think that will be a good point to ender for now. I will be back after eight hours of work, work even. For you, it will seem like much less than eight hours because what I do is edit out the eight hours in which I work. I don't actually record that time on my recording device. That's how I roll. That, of course, leaves one final thing to say before our break, which is, of course, love you, dearies. Oh my god, totally love you, dearies. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back! We are back! We are back! We are back! 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 We are back! Back in action! Hello! Yeah, and I believe I have mentioned from time to time that there is a turn that I turn onto on my way home that sometimes takes a goddamn long time. And sometimes takes no seconds. Today was a no second day. Yeah. It's the little things, people. It is the little things. Thus concludes anything but movie talk. We will move back into movie talk. Move, move, move. With movie the third. Little film, and I believe this one actually may fall into the film, not movie category, if such a thing exists. It is called Hyde Park on Hudson. This movie sort of, for me, is the work towards seeing every single Bill Murray ever made movie. What? Did I did I fuck that sentence up? Every single movie ever made that has Bill Murray within it, I try to see, and that is what I just tried to say. Oh boy. And uh, I'm definitely in the 90th percent, I'm in the high 90s of 100% seeing all his movies, and this was one of them. And a good one, no less, because they're always good, never bad. This, probably not in my top ten of Bill Murray movies. That being said, I'm still going to go ahead and give it a... I'm going to go four out of five on a Sunday. Very, very good Sunday movie, and perhaps a three out of five on any other day. Sometimes I have thought that when I say movies can get high ratings on Sundays, and, and a movie can have sort of a vibe in which it is more, more gooder, on a Sunday than it is any other day. I brought that up to the missus, that idea, and she sort of readily, easily agreed with me with no prompting whatsoever. So I have a feeling saying that is um, of the making sense variety. So that's good. Because I thought perhaps, potentially, that was insane. It turns out maybe not insane. She is insane, and I am insane, so possibility still exists that that theory is insane but closer to being not insane. Man, really rambling on today, this afternoon. But that's allowed. A little rambling 
is permissible in the liberal queue. Hyde Park on Hudson apparently <laughs> apparently based uh, on a true story. And whenever I hear based on a true story, I always like to throw in loosely into that sentence. Loosely based on true stories. Because I don't feel that it is ever 100% accurate. Uh, I, I guess except for the possibility possibility of a documentary, which this was not. It is a story of FDR, Franklin Delanar Roosevelt. That FDR. Oh, yeah. Like the sponsor. Our, our today's sponsor, FDR Food Cart. What are the odds of that as well? Crazy. Uh, about him and how he would sort of take vacation. Mm, I think that's how they used to say it back, back then. Take some R&R, rest and relaxation, in a uh, house. Sort of a, I don't think, it wasn't a plantation, but sort of had that vibe to it. Mm, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, not really. I don't know what I'm saying. It was called Hyde Park, and it was on the Hudson River. Sort of a little cottagey feel. And during his presidentship, he would go there from time to time to uh, sort of recuperate, rejuvenate, and other re-things. Sort of like, uh, what do they have now down there? Camp David. Sort of, uh, I guess, that sort of feel to it. Which uh, leaders of nations do need time off from time to time, as in any job. And I think the more stressful the job, the more often you're going to need a break from said job. Kind of makes sense. Then again... The more stressful the job quite often, the more responsibility in said job and responsibilities that cannot be left behind. And if they are, it is not good. So it's a fine line, I suppose, a fine line. Bill Murray played FDR, and as far as actors playing FDR, he is the best I've ever seen. That being said, I can't think of any other instances that I've seen someone play him. Huh. But he's goddamn good at everything. And anything and everything, he just blows my mind with his acting chops combined with that little, little hint. It's almost like even when his face is not smirking, it's sort of behind the eyes smirk. And I goddamn love it. Probably one of my favorite people in the entire world. Famous Foken, let's say. We'll put him at uh, perhaps number one. Him and Chris Hardwick right, right up there. During this time, he had conversations, meetings, perhaps trysts, with a uh, cousin somehow removed, once removed, twice removed, three times removed, I don't know. That's always confusing to me how that thing works. I wish someone could explain it to me in an easy-to-understand fashion. Because I remember looking up what exactly it meant and the online explanation of first, second, third cousins, once removed, blah, 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 did not make sense. So, if you have an easy layman's terms explanation, I would love to hear from you. Thus begins the audience participation section of this program. Please write to me at the address provided in the closing credits, or perhaps you can tweet at me, Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. Would love to hear from you about cousins. And anything else you want to say to me, you can say it to my Twitter account. Uh, yeah, so that's basically the story in a nutshell. FDR, Bill Murray, and his cousin, let's just call her Daisy, 
played by Laura Linney and the sort of affair that they apparently, allegedly, historically had during this time, and the events surrounding that. Uh, there's a visit from the King of England, no less, played by Mr. Samuel West. Samuel West, an actor who I do believe, if you get a look at his face, will possibly, probably even, recognize very, very good as the king. He was, oh shit, didn't write down which king. King George, right? I think. Uh, the one with the stutter uh, from the movie The King's Speech, which I have not seen yet. However, because of Mr. Samuel West's portrayal of this stuttering king, uh, gave me a desire to see that movie, which I did not have before. So I will perhaps bring that back on a movie Monday in the future. Ha <laughs> Other than that, it's kind of a romantic-y, historical-y comedy. It's hard to pigeonhole this movie into a genre, so I will not try to do so. Uh, if you like Bill Murray, you'll like it, hey. And if you like Bill Murray, I like you. Hey. Let's move on to Movie the Fourth. Movie the Fourth? Oh, God. Ah... Uh, I knew I was going to have trouble with this one. It is called Lost Highway. It is a David Lynch creation. It has spewed forth from this crazy man's brain into my eye holes, and I don't know what to make of it. David Lynch, his movies are always sort of very well regarded and respected as being crazy, often sort of film noir-y. Eh, I don't think that's accurate. I don't know why I said it. Just uh, famous for being a crazy and usually thought of good filmmaker. And I've seen a lot of his movies because I like crazy movies. But, and this is my but, I've kind of decided that I don't think I like David Lynch movies too much. They're just... It's not, it's not the weirdness, because I love weirdness. It's the stories that are so sort of crazily difficult to understand, and maybe that's just my friggin' intelligence is not enough to understand these movies, that uh, I have trouble following them, and I don't really get what's happening, and just images flashing into my eyes that seemingly are connected, although the connection between these images is difficult to follow, I think, and perhaps this is uh, sort of negative on my side, definitely, the fact that, and I've mentioned this many times, that I watch movies while playing video games and vice versa. So, for example, I've already teased this, my next her video games day will be for Saints Row number four. So I was playing that while watching movies, including this one. And 93.987% of the time, uh, that is not a problem, but I think with David Lynch movies, to do so is impossible, nigh impossible. So uh, perhaps that's not giving it a sort of fair shake, David Lynch, that is, that to watch his movies, you need 100% of your attention on the movies 100% of the time, which is just not something I am sort of willing to do, because I feel when watching movies and watching movies only, or playing video games and playing video games only, if I'm just doing one, I feel like I'm wasting my life away when I could be doing both. 
Ha ha! Yeah. Cramming it in. Media consumption cranked up to 11. I will admit that I had to go on the IMDb page to see what the plot of this movie was, because after watching it, it was a pretty long movie. It's like two hours and something. I didn't know what it was about or how to describe it. It is about um, a man who killed his wife, probably, maybe. Uh, he's then put in jail for life while in jail. And this is the part that I sort of, I guess, missed somehow. His body is transformed to that of a young man. Um, people run in the jail are like, who the hell is this guy in this cell? Well, we don't know, so we better release him. <laughs> and then shit happens from there. Mm-hmm. Stars of Bill Pullman, who I, who I like, yeah, normally. Uh, Patricia Arquette, she plays, um, I think, twins, maybe, or it's the same woman. Uh, something's going on there. I don't know. There may or be not, there may or may not be vampires involved. There's this guy with like a, like a shaved head and he's very pale and I think has sort of mystical, magical powers of talking on phones and being in two places at once and it's always seen at night and maybe a vampire, but I don't know if that's accurate. Hmm? This was, again, this is from IMDb, was Richard Pryor's last movie. I don't think he had so much a part, as I remember just sort of seeing him pop up for a second. Um, this guy, after released from prison, gets sort of involved, tussles up with Robert Loggia. Robert Loggia, an actor who I love, always plays that sort of gravelly-voiced badass dude which I guess has something to do with the gravelly voice and the fact that he may or may not be a badass. So, Gary Busey, also in this, if you're going to have a crazy mute, if you're going to have a fucked up crazy movie, why not throw Gary Busey in there, right? Right. Uh, for rating, I'm tempted to not even get one because I feel on one hand that it's just too crazy to understand and on the other that perhaps I didn't give it a sort of fair shake and would need my 100% attention 100% of the time to give it a fair rating. With that in mind, I will say with a grain of salt, you can take it or leave it my rating of 1 out of 5. Yeah, maybe maybe 2 out of 5. Maybe 1 or 2 with a grain of salt. Convoluted rating. Extraordinaire on that one. Okay, lastly, gotta speed this up. A wee bet is a movie called Kiss the Girls. Kiss the Girls, uh, I read the book. I read the book not too, too long ago and talked about it on the podcast, as I do on a book for Wednesday. I mentioned to the missus that I read the book because I will usually let her know, despite the fact that she doesn't care what book I am reading at any given moment. And she said, oh yeah, I love that movie. One of my favorite movies. Why don't we watch it sometime? So I says to her, I says, yeah, let's. And that's just what we did. She gave this movie, I believe, a four out of five, perhaps a five out of five. Uh, movie's okay. I kind of feel like, oh, not, <laughs> like I am better off for placing a link for my book Wednesday podcast because that will go into much, much more detail than I have time to do now. 
and it's probably better said as I have already said it, so that's what I'm going to do. My review of the movie, I'll go three to five. Yeah, yeah, three to five, which I like to use for enjoyed while watching, but would never watch again. So that fits nicely into that category. Uh, one, f there's just a handful of things I do want to say, and that's sort of the differences, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, between the book and the film. Uh, for example, Alex Cross, played by Mr. Morgan Freeman, the description of Alex Cross in the book is nothing like Morgan Freeman. There's a part in the book where he's hanging on to the hood of a car that is speeding down the highway, and they took that out of, of, uh, and didn't put it in the movie. So that's a shame, because that's always an exciting scene. Uh, Alex Cross is sort of, from the book, his giant friend, his big cop buddy, uh, no, not in here. Much less detail compared to the book. That makes sense. There's a few things that the book went into that this never did. And I guess all makes sense that you can't fit everything in a book into a movie. The local cops were not mean dicks, racist, mean folk in the movie. They were all right. Yeah, busted his chops maybe a little bit. And uh, the bad guy was still the same bad guy. Yeah. Uh, kind of boiled down every single change they made from the book to the movie, in my opinion, I should say, is not as good. It just wasn't as good. That's not too surprising. The book, as they say, is always better than the movie. One, and this is why I bring that up, one area of the movie that was better than the book, and this is kind of surprising, is the very, very end, the killing of the bad guy. I won't say who the bad guy was. Why not not spoil it? I probably do in the book podcast. I don't remember. But I will say how he died. In the book, I think I even said, actually, in the podcast that it was sort of very anticlimactic. Like, oh, here's a bad guy. Here he is showing up. Oh, let's shoot him. Yeah, now he's dead. Kind of like that. In this, Morgan Freeman, very, very cool idea. I don't know how scientifically accurate it is, and I always look for scientific accuracy in my fictional crime dramas, of course, was uh, the bad guy, who shall remain nameless, had been attached to a gas stove that he had pulled away from the wall, so the room was filling up with gas. Oh, no, he had in his hand a lighter about to set it off and blow him all the kingdom come. We can't let this happen. Morgan Freeman points a gun at him, knowing full well that, oh, if I shoot this gun, that'll set off a spark, and we'll all be blown to kingdom come. Oh, no. So, what he does, what I believe possibly smartly does, is uh, puts the barrel of the gun against a carton of milk, and then shoots through the milk carton, thus um, muzzling the flash that would have been created and blown them all to kingdom come! Oh no! So, uh, I like that as opposed to just bad guy shows up, gets shot, the end. Huh? You feel me? Thus concludes another episode of the podcast, a movie Monday episode, specifically, or specifically. I couldn't have done it without you, so I appreciate that. You, the listener. That will leave one final thing to say, and that is, of course, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening.
This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Libra Cubicle Wrist. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us you can do so via the email address mailwood.jordan at gmail.com And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine Live long and prosper.